0: Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bible, smartphones, or tablets, and you want to follow along, that is Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 to 13, that we're going to be looking at this morning, and I would invite you to, to turn there. Uh, got a phone call on... Friday that the, that the chairs, the new chairs have been loaded on the truck in Virginia and they're making their way to us. I'm not sure if that's like the check is in the mail or uh, we'll actually see them this week, but hey, uh, I'm hoping that that will, uh, will happen. I want to show you this slide, the slide, slide of the youth. Uh, uh, this is the, the youth um, from Friday evening, 54 kids, 9 workers, and, uh, and uh, that's the youth uh, this year. So yeah, so that's, that's pretty awesome and uh, a lot of good things happening with our youth. That, that is very, very cool. Well, we've been working our way through the seven churches in Revelation and what Jesus had to say to them. This morning we come to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, Like other churches, Philadelphia is located in modern-day Turkey. Uh, About 60 years before this letter is written, uh, this uh, city experienced a, a huge earthquake, and it leveled a large portion of the city. Building codes are not what they are now. And as a result of the earthquake, people got superstitious about the city, and they moved out into the countryside, so the city itself is not that big. In fact, to call it a city, be a misnomer, it's probably closer to the town of Perth. Now, the church in Philadelphia was only one of the, only one of the seven churches that we're, we're looking at that was not located in a major city. The church was small. Life as a Christian in this town was challenging. This letter was written about 50 years after Jesus ascended into heaven, so... So now, in the eyes of the Romans, Christians and Christianity is just kind of like a sect of Judaism. The Romans really didn't care what religion you uh, belonged to, as long as you were willing to say Caesar is Lord. And of course, uh, Christians weren't willing to say that; they would confess Jesus is Lord. And so that got them into trouble with the with the Romans. but the people in the Jewish synagogue said, yeah, well, you're, you're following Jesus, that's not really us. And so they made life difficult for this small Christian church. And it's into, into this situation that Jesus, through the Apostle John, speaks to the church in Philadelphia. Now, I know that some of you have been through some challenging times. There are a few of you who seem to be kindred spirits with Job, and I'm really sorry about that, but, like, I mean, that's, like, your your life is hard, exceptionally challenging. There's others of you who, well, right now you're living in about 120% of your capacity, and you keep on saying to yourself, I should be able to do more, I used to be able to do more, I think I could do more, and yet, um, you just don't seem to have the physical and mental energy Uh, at this time. I know there's others of you where life is just hard. You keep on plodding forward, one step at a time, but it's hard. That's you, I want you to know this. Jesus sees you. Jesus knows. He understands. And I'm hoping that you'll hear voices of encouragement today. I know there's others of you who are walking through uh, green pastures and sitting beside still waters and life is good right now and you give thanks for the way life is right now, and I'm hoping that you will come away from this encouraged as well. So Jesus starts his letter to the church in Philadelphia by saying, verse 7, to the angel in the church of Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, what he opens no one can shut, and what he shuts no one can open. If you've been following our series, you know that uh, each time Jesus goes to speak to a church, he he gives a portion of the vision that he gave to John in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation here. But this is different. This wasn't part of the vision. Uh, So this is different than all the other churches. He just says, these are the uh, words of him who is holy and true. When you're small... When you're struggling to survive, when you're concerned about the future, it's important to know who is speaking into your life. Jesus says, I'm the Holy One. Now, all the way through the Old Testament, that would be a title reserved for God himself. So Jesus is making his claim to deity. Christians believe that Jesus is God. Say, I'm the Holy One. I'm God. Philadelphia, and I also want you to know that I was there at creation of the world. I was there when the people of God walked through the wilderness, and I'm here with you, and I have the power to deal with what you're dealing with. I have the power to speak into your life. I want you to know who's speaking to you now. He goes on to say that I am the Holy One and I am true. There are two Greek words uh, that are used for the word true. One is true as opposed to false, as opposed to false. One is true as, a, as opposed to fake. And it's that latter one that is used. He's saying, I'm the genuine one. I'm the authentic one. Many people will, will try to sell you a, mess, a messiah uh, or another God, but I'm the true one. I'm the genuine one. Now, the area around Philadelphia was wine country. So the Roman god Bacchus would be the god of the city uh, because he was the the god of wine. And you would find statues of Bacchus around the city like you would in any Roman town or city. Uh, The Romans and Greeks had a lot of gods. You know, you don't walk around Perth and see a lot of statues dedicated to the gods. Um, We don't tend to encounter explicit gods. Our gods tend to be more implicit. See, a god is what we hold as our highest good. It's what we give our lives to. It's what we order our lives around. See, some people give themselves to the pursuit of money or pleasure or comforts or relationship or power or fame. Um, Or if things really go off the rails, they give themselves to various kinds of addictions We think uh, that these gods of money or power or fame or whatever it is, comfort, that these will bring us what we're looking for. We hold them as our highest good. Jesus said, It's not going to get you to where you need to go, it's not going to bring you the joy you need. Jesus said, if you make any of those things your highest good, you're not going to get it. I'm the one, the true one, the authentic one. I'm the one who brings real life, abundant life. I am the one in whom you will find peace and in whom you will find comfort, forgiveness, and grace. I'm the one in whom you'll find joy and love. I am the holy one and true. Then Jesus goes on to say this, These are the words of him who is holy and true and who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I hold the key of David. Let me tell you a story from Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah is sent to a guy by the name of Shebna. Now, Shebna was the palace administrator um, in Israel. And as such, he had control of a significant portion of the kingdom's purse. And he was using the purse, and what he said went, and where he said the money would go, it would go. He was a man of power. Now, having power is not wrong. Abusing power is problematic. And that's exactly what Shebna did. He thought, hmm, I'm important. You know, a good use of this money would be to build a huge, huge mausoleum high up on the mountain in my honor. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a tomb for myself so that when, they, when the generations pass, they will know that I am someone. He misused kingdom funds for personal benefit. Lord sees this and he says to Isaiah, I want you to deliver a message to, to Shebna." And here's what he says to Shebna: I will drive you out of office, says the Lord. I will pull you down from your high position. And then I'll call my servant Eliakim, son of Helikai, to replace you. I will dress him in your royal robes, and I will give him your title and authority, and he will be the father to people of Jerusalem and Judea. I will give him the key of the house of David the highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. I'm going to give Eliakim the key of David. He is the one who is going to have the keys to the palace. He is going to be the authority in the royal court. Come back with me to Revelation. So now Jesus is saying, I hold the key of David. In other words, I'm the one with the title and the authority. So when Jesus uses the word, these are the words of the one who is holy and true, he holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. He's saying, just like the palace authority had, just as Uh, Eliakim had authority in the palace. I have authority in the kingdom of God. And I can open doors, and I can close doors. And when I do that, it cannot be countermanded. I have authority in your city. I have authority in your world. And I can open doors. You believe it. You know, when... When life is all roses and butterflies, it's sometimes easy to believe that. But sometimes when you come to a place in your life where you're stuck, and we all come to those places in our life, then it becomes harder to believe. You may be stuck relationally or financially looking for a job, it just doesn't seem to be one that fits you. Does Jesus have the authority to open the doors you, you need? He does. Keep praying, keep moving, keep holding on. But I think what's going on in this passage is even deeper than what I was just talking about. This isn't the first time that Jesus has talked about having authority. Verse uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, very familiar passage to some of you. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Did you catch that? All authority. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Jesus' authority opened up the way for ministry. That's what he's saying here. All authority has been given to to me, therefore go. It's not that he doesn't have authority in those other areas that we're talking about. But it seems that he's talking about, in our passage, opening the doors for ministry. Now, I know that many of you think that ministry happens in the church. But ministry is way broader than that. Ministry is broader than being a Sunday school teacher or being serving coffee at teenagers, as important as those ministries are. When I say Jesus' authority opens the way for ministry, that might be at your work or at a hockey rink or on the telephone or in the church. When you hear about an open door, don't limit God. Jesus' authority opens the way for ministry. But some of you think, oh, I don't have time to think about that. I'm pushing hard as it is. I'm not sure if I want a door open to ministry. Well, here's what Jesus says to the uh, church of Philadelphia. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. He gets where the people are at. I know you have little strength. Yet you kept my word, not denied my name. I know you have little slice. Jesus places an opportunity in front of them, but it's not going to overwhelm them. How hard is it to walk through an open door? You don't have to bash it down, it's there. When the door's open and you walk through it. You walk into something that's good, something that's fit for you. Here's what I believe. I, I believe that Jesus might be saying to us, have the authority to open doors of ministry for you. And I'm willing to do that for you if you let me. I don't know what the ministry is going to look like. It may the be that God would lay a friend, name of a friend on your heart and mind and you can pray for them, encourage them. It might be an open door to share your faith. It might be that God would create an open door for you to join your hands with other pe- people in the cause of alleviating suffering or cause for justice or to share grace. You may open a door for a prayer ministry in your place of work. You may open a door for a blogging ministry where you can influence thousands. You may allow you to minister in the church in a way that impacts people significantly. Here's what you need to know. I, as a pastor, and the board as an entity at Asbury, are not here to control your ministry. I'll have people come to me and say, Pastor, I'd like to start a Bible study. Is that okay? Um... Or I'm thinking of starting this kind of ministry. Is that okay? Here's my policy. Just bless what God's laying on your heart. How do you know if it's God laying it on your heart? Well, chances are that if you're thinking that this is what God is calling you to do, he's laying it on the hearts of others as well. So you get together with them. And my job is not so much to give you permission. My job is just to bless you and send you forward and support you in any way I can. That's what we do here. What's God laying on your heart? Sometimes what you want to do takes money or takes time or takes talent and you say, I don't have what I need. Remember, Jesus' authority has the way of opening doors for ministry. God can supply that. It's amazing what God can do if you're willing to. Walk through the open door in front of you. Some of you are thinking, well, that's okay for younger people, (laughs) but I'm too old for that. If you can pick up a telephone, you can have a ministry. If you can close your eyes and pray, you can have a ministry. Jesus says if you give someone a cup of of water in my name, I was going to say coffee, he didn't say that. Uh, I wish he did, you know. If you give give a cup of water in my name, you won't lose your reward. It just might be that God has sat uh, in front of you an open door. There are all kinds of ministry opportunities. Maybe you could be instrumental in helping a group of churches sponsor Refugee families. Maybe you could help begin a support group for people who are hurting. Maybe you could develop a mentoring program for young people. It's amazing the doors that Jesus can open if you're willing to walk through. Let me tell you a few stories. Um, I had an intern from Carleton University named Stephanie Vesey. When she was in high school, Stephanie did a short-term, tim- uh, short-term mission trip to Lesotho. Uh, it's a small country surrounded by South Africa. She traveled there, caught a vision there, helped people of that country, um, to help people of that country. So she founded her own um, organization to, to help people in that country, high school students did it. Went to Carleton University. She became uh, proficient at videography, and uh, she used her skills then to promote that ministry and others, uh, telling people stories so that people would know what's going on around the world. Another guy I knew, he was starting to see uh, uh, the need for shelters for women who were being trafficked in our country. So he decided, well, what could I do? I, I could organize a bicycle uh, marathon, and we could raise money that way. So he did that and raised $20,000 towards helping people do that. Something simple, something straightforward, and yet he was able to do that. When they talked to me about that, it was just, yeah, this is what God to put on my heart. What's God putting on your heart? What would you love to see Him do? First step, if God puts something on your heart, is to pray about it. Second step is to look for that open door. Is it there? Is is there like minded people around? Third step is when the door opens, walk through it. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word to the church in Philadelphia and your word to us. Lord, sometimes I've been guilty of walking past open doors. just too busy to see what's going on. But, Lord, if there's an open door by us that you want us to walk through, give us eyes to see. Lord, I pray for your people here and who are listening, You would create divine opportunities for us to see what you want us to do. Help us to get on board with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.